The word of the Lord according to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. I want you guys to tell me what you notice about these verses that we're about to read. Okay? So I'm going to read. I'm reading from the ESV version, the English Standard Version, in case anybody's looking on from their phone and wants to read in the same version as I. So 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14 reads, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Then we go on over to Psalm chapter 23, verse 6. But let's turn over to Psalm chapter 23, verse 6. And that says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. So when we put the two together, what do we get? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Has anyone heard this before? Yes. Where have you guys heard this before? From me, besides me, huh? Here, the grace, right? So you guys all know this verse, right? Did, you, did any of you guys know that it came from this chapter, this, these two books? It was a combination of the Psalm and Second Corinthians. Hmm. Yeah. Question. That so you had seen them. Awesome. That's wonderful. So there are a lot of things here that we want to unpack. Whenever we do something, I want us to be able to understand why we're doing what we're doing. We've said that grace, we've shared grace for so many years. The Gigi, if you see one of you guys sitting here, probably heard this prayer so many, so many times. And we've gone back and forth. And whenever we close, this is what we always say. Anybody ever wondered why we do this? It's just become one of those things that we do. Right? My, one of my things and my goals is having you guys here. And when you leave here is to understand why we do exactly what we do. Being within a Presbyterian church as solid as this is, there's a lot of hymns and things like that that go on. But, and there's also liturgy. Liturgy is pretty much how and the way that we worship. Right? The way that we worship is also important as the worship itself. So we must understand why we do what we do. I don't want us to come into church and just mindlessly say certain things without ever knowing what these things ever meant. I don't ever want to feel that way, and I hope you guys don't either. Because when we understand why we're saying what we're saying, and the power behind what we're saying, it becomes more effective. Amen? So, there are a lot of things that were said within the grace prayer. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us now and forevermore. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. And we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Paul wrote 2 Corinthians. He wrote this to the church in Corinth. There was quite a lot going on with the church in Corinth. They had made Paul feel some type of way. He wasn't too happy with them. There was a lot of things, a lot of immorality, things going on within that church. But Paul closes with this benediction to the church in Corinth. 
And some of the things that he says, I want us to pick out and dissect and understand what they are. So, so for today, if you guys are taking notes, some of the things that we're going to dissect are the concepts of grace, love, fellowship of the Holy Spirit, goodness, mercy, and what it means to dwell. So what we're going over today as you're taking notes is grace, love, fellowship of the Holy Spirit, goodness, mercy, and dwelling. Does everyone have that? Or should I say that again? We've all got it? Good. So what do these things mean? We are all in a, we're in a discussion here. At first I was just going to share it all. But as we're lined up like this, kind of set up this way, I want you guys to kind of share with me what you think these mean. I want us to start with grace. What is grace? But maybe some of our new guys that have joined us, are these some things that you guys talked about in your classes? Hmm? Are these things you guys talked about what, what grace is? No? 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 That's okay. This is why we're here, right? We're here to learn one another. These are core concepts that are very, very important to our faith, right? So did you did you have your hand up earlier? Yeah, but... Um, Would you like to kind of share what you think? Sure. Okay. Um, I think grace is maybe like unmerited favor. Mm-hmm. She says that grace is unmerited favor. Thank you so much for that. Grace is unmerited favor. You guys go ahead and note that down. Grace is unmerited favor. And you said it exactly as it is. Unmerited favor. U N M E R I T. Yep. Unmerited. Merit. Yes. Write merit and then put a U N in front of it. So. <laughs> then in favor. Unmerited favor. Everybody's noted that down. I want you guys to take notes on these because this is really key to go back on and understand. Okay? Because this forms why we do what we do. And when we go later on and talk about the five solas, it'll make a bit more sense and we'll expand on that. So the way I defined grace here is when you get what you don't deserve, pretty much what she said, unmerited favor. When you get what you don't deserve. You and I, all of us, have sinned against God. God gave us his laws, he gave us his rules. He gives us the way that we should live by. And we sinned against him. And as a result, the penalty, the penalty of sin is death. Yet when we confess our sins and put our faith in Christ Jesus, he forgives us and he accepts us. He imputes and imparts his righteousness on us. And we'll dig into what that means a little bit later on. But he makes us new again for us to then be able to stand before God. All of that is God's grace. We deserved hell. We deserved hell, but instead, we're able to be with the Lord. We don't deserve to be with God. That is grace. 
We didn't work for it. We didn't do anything for it. The Word tells us that, for it is by grace that you have been saved, and not by works, so that no man should boast. So that when we boast, we boast in the Lord. So grace is something that we can all show. Um, grace as itself, without the Lord, it is something that, um, you know, we are all made in the image of, uh, of God. And as such, these characteristics of God, grace, kindness, love, they're all things that are within us. When we decide to actually follow the Lord, then we place it in the correct mindset. Somebody can be as generous as you're saying. They can be very kind to people and not know Jesus Christ. That's still a problem. Right? So, grace is something that we all show, we, we ought to show to one another. A lot of times, people deserve something. But they don't get it. And, we, and when, we're, when we're placed in the position of being able to make that decision for them to get what they deserve, will we show grace? That's the one thing for us to think about when we're going away today. Do we show grace to other people? The part of the grace that I want to flesh out here is really more about eternity. And when we're talking about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is in direct relation with our, with our salvation. Because of what we deserved. Deserving eternal damnation but rather being reconciled with the Father. That is grace that we're discussing here today. So the next concept is love. Oh man, how many of you guys ever heard this word before? How many of you guys ever used this word before? Nobody's ever used this word before? Love? Nobody's ever been like, oh, I love you. Not a single person. Hey, has anybody told you that if somebody told you that they love you, hands up. Your parents don't tell you that. Wow. Okay. I got an uncle, a, an aunt, a cousin. Keep your hands up, please. I gotta figure out what's going on here. Cause we gotta do some damage control. Huh? Nobody's ever told you they love you. Put your hands up. Be proud. Marcus, has anybody told you they love you before? I know Auntie Jackie told you she loved. Put your hands up. There we go. Nobody told you. Good. Good. to JY and I see a bunch of ladies coming to me. Bishop, we love you. I know they want my dance. Who said that? They want me to buy them some. So I see that. Bishop, we love you. Say, mm, I'm in trouble. <laughs> so, so the love I get here sometimes is trouble love. 
So there's some fake love, right? You know, as Drake, he's questioning, he's making input. Um, so there's that, right? Love, as, and I like how he brought up the fact there's different types of love. Even the Word of God even teaches that as well. Anybody know the different words for love within? Yeah. Which one? Adore. Adore? Different words. Adore. The Greek word, sorry. Oh, they Greek say word. something right. like agape, right? Agape. 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 Anybody, anybody ever heard the word agape? Yeah. yeah. Right? What is that? What is that? What is Unconditional agape? love. Unconditional love. Sorry, somebody here? Unconditional love. Awesome. So you've heard of agape. Unconditional love of God, right? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, right? So that's the one that we're talking about here. Agape in this sense. Someday we may go into the other types of love. I think we've been through those before. There's agape, there's storge, there's... That, 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 that's it. That's it. Philly. Philly, right? Yes, there's Philly. Brotherly love. Everybody knows Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love, right? So, Philly is, is brotherly type love. Right? And when you add the Delphia, that's the rest of the city. I mean, the rest of the city. So, we'll someday dig into the different types of love as well. There's quite a, lo- a lot of them. But the ones that we're focused on here is that agape love, the love of God that is unconditional. So, one verse that we take away from this is John 15, verse 13, to note down for you guys to take a look at later on is that greater love has no one than this than someone to lay down his life for his friends. God loving us so much, being so gracious to us, he didn't just teach us how to live, but lay down his life for you and me. In one of probably the most excruciating, painful ways to die. He was crucified, and then he rose. Defeated death on the cross. As a, result, as a result of that, you and I can have life and we put our trust in Him. Now, this is the good news. This is love that God teaches us. Amen? So, the next point that we have. And so, we've gone through grace, we've gone through love. Next point is fellowship of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? There's a lot of words there. So we say, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and sometimes we even have the word sweet. Mm-hmm. Sweet fellowship. Which one? And then sweet fellowship. So what is, what is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit? We've been saying it for years. I know you said it. I know you said it. I know I've said it. I want us to understand why we're saying what we're saying. So what is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit? Hmm? Go ahead, Nelly. What do you think? Oh, okay. Let me know what you think. Because there's no wrong answer here. We're all learning together. Okay? The church? Say it again. The church? That's the fellowship of the Holy Spirit? Okay. Can you, when we gather? Awesome. Okay, we'll Worshiping. Worshiping. Awesome. Praising. Praising, worshiping, gathering, fellowship. Right? With people. With people. Hmm? And <laughs> now, now, like, any other thoughts on fellowship of the Holy Spirit? Michael, you got something? 
Hmm? I already said it all. No problem. So, fellowship of the Holy Spirit, as you guys have explained. Kind of joining and communing, having the Holy Spirit dwell within you. There is the point of, you know, gathering and being here together, right? And there's also fellowship with the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, where you are in communion and communication with the Holy Spirit. But this isn't so much the church aspect of us all gathering together. That's fellowship with the brother, with the brother, because we're all here. But fellowship with the Holy Spirit, do you spend time during your week in your word, sitting down with God and just chatting, and just rapping back and forth about different things, about what's on your mind, how you're feeling, what's going on in your life, your, 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 your fears, your worries. That's fellowship. Or do you just come on out to church every Sunday, stand for a little bit, sing a song, and then go home? That's not fellowship. You're fellowshiping with the brothers here. But is the Holy Spirit there with you? Are you fellowshiping, spending time with the Holy Spirit? Well, I tell you, without the Holy Spirit, we can't do what we do. But we have no power of our own. How's that song go? I have no power of my own. I have no power of my own. It goes, we depend on you, Holy Spirit. We have no power of our own. I'm gonna start teaching you guys all these songs. So when I start just busting out in song, we can we can all join together. That's usually what's supposed to happen. But anyway. So we talked about fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense to everybody? Yeah. Just I have a question again. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. So the Bible says where two or three are gathered, I'm there. Can I enjoy the presence of the Holy Spirit alone? Yeah. What do you guys think? Who said yes? Princess. Mabel, can you expand further on what that means? We don't like, as you guys are noticing, we don't like one-word answers here. We want to kind of explain a little bit about what we mean. So you said... His question is, can you enjoy the presence of the Holy Spirit alone? You said yes. So, can you explain what that means? Um, I think you can, because, like, you're supposed to have your one-on-one time with God, like, your daily devotion. You can have that, and then, like, coming together as a fellowship or whatever, like, coming together as, like, a church, it makes, like, the voice louder for God to actually hear you more. Okay, cool. Just spending time with God makes it a little bit easier for you to be able to hear the voice of the Lord, right? So that, that's awesome. So she says that yes, you can have fellowship with the Holy Spirit by yourself. And that's very, and that's even encouraged, right? Sometimes so when we pray, the Lord tells us to get in a room and pray. So. So I want to add the, the communion, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. In, in certain translations, you see the communion of the Holy Spirit. So yes, you have to get that one-on-one with the Holy Spirit, but also in the community, in the communion, in oneness. So when you come to church and you don't have that relationship with the Holy Spirit, you come here and you don't feel anything. It's like we are having a fire, and you come here and your wood is soaking water. So when you place yours in the fire, 
coaches the rest of them. So you have to get that one on one. That's why it's the communion or the fellowship. So people come to church, they miss the fellowship. As you are here, somebody will not talk. They won't sing. If you sing, they won't dance. If you ask questions, they won't answer anything. They will come here with their mouth closed, and they will go with their mouth closed. They won't fellowship with anybody. But we are talking about spirit in you that is affecting other people. Amen. Thank you so much for that, Bishop. So, one of the key things that I always think about when I think of fellowship is also is that last piece, the ship, right? That we're all in that ship together. And it's really important that we all communicate, talk to one another, and be able to, you know, communicate with the Lord together. Amen? Amen. So, now we have a full understanding, I hope, or a better understanding of when we share grace. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and with that unmerited favor, the love of God, that God came to die for us and lay his life down, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit, constantly communicating with the Holy Spirit, be with us forevermore. Amen? Now let's go into that other part. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. So that we get that from Psalm 23, verse 6. Psalm 23, who knows who wrote Psalm 23? Mm -hmm. Go ahead. David. David, yep, exactly. David wrote Psalm 23. Somebody say John. (laughs) It's okay, we're all learning together. We're learning, we're learning. So, (laughs) David wrote the Psalm 23. um, And it was during a time when he was going through a lot of trial, a lot, a lot of issues. Before the verse that we just read, it, it says that, that God presents, that, that God prepares a table amongst his enemies and he anoints his head with oil. You guys have ever heard that one before? That though I may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fear no evil. Yes. Amen. Your rod and your staff, they comfort. So that's the Psalm 23. That's Psalm 23. But what we're focusing on, we've taken on that last part, the verse 6. It said, goodness and mercy shall follow me. So I want us to understand and kind of break that down for a bit. What does goodness mean? What, what is goodness? We say it all the time. Yes? Mm-hmm. So blessings or some type of good favor? Okay. Thank you. Any other thoughts? God. Mm-hmm. God. Goodness is God. Okay. Because God said that it was good. Right? Anybody else? What is goodness? Marcus, what do you think goodness is? Um, like something that you don't do or that you don't do or that you do to other people. Alright. Something you do to other people and they appreciate it. Okay. It's goodness. Okay. Anybody else? Yes. Just like no evil, like if you're saying goodness and mercy shall follow me, so like nothing, no evil plans or evil intentions of others or people around you. Awesome. So no evil plans or intentions. Thank you. Ellie? Being morally good. 
That's, that's a good one. I like that. I like that term. Morally good. Different types of good, huh? You guys are really smart. So, one thing that I want to break down here when we talk about goodness, make note of this. We must understand the difference between God's goodness and man's goodness. Understanding the difference between God's goodness and man's goodness. Stephen, take really good notes because later on you're going to share them with Nelly and pretty much everybody else that doesn't have a book, okay? I like, I like what you're taking so far. It's good. Keep it up. So, understanding the difference between God's goodness and man's goodness. Marcus, did you note that down? You know I'm going to read what you wrote later. So, anyway, understand the difference between God's goodness. I'm sorry, I just pick on some people here. You guys know I'm good. So, God's goodness and man's goodness. What do you guys think God's goodness is? His Hmm? God's goodness, I always take it from Psalm 119, verse 71, where he tells, well, the psalmist says, it is good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. In that time, the psalmist considers affliction, pain, torture, problems in their life as good. Now, doesn't that sound crazy? Hmm? It sounds painful. But for somebody to say that it is good for me, that I've been afflicted, would you guys ever say something? Have you guys ever said something like that? You're going through a situation that you don't like, someone's doing something that you don't like. Have you ever called that good? Sometimes. Sometimes? You call the experience good while you're going through it, or maybe later? Later on? Okay. But while you're going through it, how are you guys feeling during that time? Not good. Not good? Okay. The one thing I want to note about God's goodness is that... i got to turn the page here. Psalm 119, verse 71. What I want to note about God's goodness is that God's goodness is good so long as it directs us to Christ. And this is the kind of goodness that we want to follow in life. God's goodness is good so long as it directs us to Christ. Please make note of this because we must understand this for our lives. Because we must be able to distinguish between what man says is good and what God says is good. So that when we go through a situation, when we go through some trouble and some struggle, We don't turn our backs on God. We know that even the bad things that happen to us, God considers them good. It says that it pierced him that he bruised Christ. It pleased the Lord to bruise his own son. Why was that? Because of what came out from that. Because through that, we and you and I now have life. So it is good that all those afflictions happen to us. I'm not here to say that your life is going to be all peachy and rosy, because it's not. Things will happen. And that's a part of life. But understand that when those things happen, that they are good, because ultimately, 
You'll be able to show the glory of Christ in your life. When all those things lead you to Christ, you understand and know that it is good. Man's goodness, on the other hand, it's temporary. It's how can I get a quick fix? How can I get this thing that will make me happy, that will please my senses? What do I have to drink? Who do I have to sleep with? What do I have to do to make me happy for this instance? This is good for me. Can we all be real? I want us to be able to, to, be able to, to dig into these type of things because they're so key. And knowing the difference between when something is going on in your life, still understanding that God is there. If you do not understand that God's goodness means that terrible things can happen to you in your life, when those terrible things happen, you will run away from God. They will draw you further away from Christ. So understand that when bad things happen, they are still good. Because ultimately, the glory of God will be made known through your life. Amen? So I want you guys to make sure you, you get that part. If you want me to run it back? Everything I will, because this is so key. Because many people have left the Lord. Many people have stepped back away from God because they didn't get what they wanted. Things just didn't pan out the way that they wanted. But we got to ask ourselves and know that we don't go to God for things. We go to God for what He's already given us, which is eternal life. Eternal life doesn't start when we die. Eternal life is right now. That you are with the Lord, that you commune with God. What more can we ask more than that? So keep that in mind. That that peace that the enemy should never can never be able to take away. Because what, is, what does it say? What trial, what tribulation can separate us from the love of God? Shall strife, famine... None of those things. God's goodness will lead us to Jesus Christ. God's goodness will lead us to Jesus Christ. So we've talked about this part now. We, have, we said goodness, and what's the other part? Mercy. And mercy. So just really quickly, what is mercy? It's a little bit different from grace. <laughs> a little bit different from grace. We said that grace is getting what you don't deserve. So if grace is getting what you don't deserve, then what is mercy? This, we talked about mercy. So mercy, as I define, is it someone with the power to sentence you that they actually forgive you instead. Mercy is when you don't get what you deserved for your sins. When you don't get what you deserved for your sins. That is mercy. That we, being made in the image of God, must apply mercy to people as well. Oftentimes when we are given the power to be in a position where we can forgive, we like to withhold that forgiveness. We like to keep it in. We know that somebody wronged us, that we are justified in doing so, but we hold it in and we don't extend that mercy. Imagine if we were in the courtroom as Bishop was saying, 
and Jesus was not there. And we sinned. We're just there, it's us. I'm standing here, Satan's standing here. And he's rapping about my case. He's like, hey, this man done a whole bunch of things. Lied, sold, everything. And I don't have Jesus on my side to come and plead for mercy for me. You think I'd win that case? That's why it's so important for us to understand the importance of Jesus Christ. And he extends that mercy and forgiveness to us. But one thing I want to note about mercy, do not abuse mercy. Paul teaches us in Romans, he says something like, shall I continue sinning now that I am under grace so that grace may abound? Like by no means. But we die to sin. We who die to sin, how can we continue living in it? Well, don't abuse mercy. Yes, God will forgive you when you truly repent from your heart. But if you continue doing something, have you truly repented? That's that's one of the things. God says, I call you my friends, those who do my work. Those who do as I commanded. When you read a bit more on the John 15, you'll see that peace. So we must keep this in mind. That we are not to abuse God's mercy. Because God's mercy runs out at death. And after death comes judgment. Whether we are to be with God for eternity or to be separated from the Father for eternity. I don't want you to be at that point where you're separated from the Father for eternity. What hell is I? That is not having that relationship with God. Think of the person that you're most close with, that you're so close with. Can you imagine being separated from that person, never chatting with them again at anything? Imagine that for an eternity. And that's what happens with us and God. So, may we not abuse God's mercy. We see what it shows about God's nature. That God is, is merciful. Now, there is no sin too big for him. Now, whatever you did concerning your friends, your parents, your cousins, brothers, sisters, whatever it may be, that it is not too big for God to forgive. And then God will show mercy when we confess our sins and repent. But I will always talk about repentance because repentance is the love language of God. If we do not repent, we have no way of being justified before the Father. Keep that in mind. Amen? So we've said that goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. What's the last piece? Let's talk about what it means to dwell in the house of the Lord as we wrap up. Dwelling. Dwelling. What does it mean to dwell? Do what? Dwell? Yes? Soaked? 
Huh? To stay. To stay. Alright, great. It means to stay. Dwelling means to stay in a particular place. Right? And in this particular verse, it says, dwell in the house of the Lord. So to stay in the house of the Lord. Now, staying requires effort. Note this down, guys. Staying requires... Do you need something? Sorry, guys. So staying um, in the house of the Lord, it requires effort on the part of the believer. Staying requires effort on the part of the believer. In 2019, in our day and age, it looks so unattractive to stay in one place. And the house of God is no exception. When we meet together like this, when we commune with the Holy Spirit, is no exception. We like to walk in, walk out. We like to go here, go there. We like to dabble in sin and then come back out. We like to do those things. So when we say, so when we say I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever, are we really following this? Are we really doing this thing that we're saying? Let us not just be sayers of the word, brothers and sisters, but doers of the word. So when we say that we're going to dwell in the house of the Lord, let us actually strive to do that. When we say we're going to spend time with God, let's actually do that. Dwelling in the house of the Lord is not just these four buildings. It's not these four walls around us. The house of the Lord, you are the house of the Lord. It is your temple. When we have that mindset that the Holy Spirit dwells within us, that a holy and righteous being dwells within us, we'll think twice about the things that we do. So 2019, it looks unattractive to stay in one place. Constantly going in and out. And being in the house of the Lord is fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit as we talked about earlier. So staying with God. I know a lot of things outside in different places may look so attractive. And there are a lot of things that are there to distract us. You and me both. But there's nothing better than the love of Christ. There's nothing better than being in the house of God. And as I explained, it's not necessarily being here in church as a fellowship that we've gathered here, but spending time with the Holy Spirit. I don't care what church you guys end up in someday. I just hope that you don't leave the Holy Spirit. And that we do not grieve the Holy Spirit either. So, I'm going to say these verses again. And you guys can join me in saying them. And then, I'll have a couple people just kind of explain these concepts that we've gone through today. Because I really want to make sure that it's stuck. And then we'll close out for today. Amen? Amen. So, it goes as, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. We shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. So, really, really grateful for each and every single one of you guys today. I hope now you guys have a better understanding, will have a better appreciation of when we share grace. 
I think these things are so important that we understand why we do what we do. If you guys learned something today, put your hands up. If you didn't learn anything today, you can keep them down. If you learn anything new today. Your hands are not up. Huh? Oh, my hands are up. I learned something new. Awesome, awesome. I'm glad you guys all learned something new today. Amen. All right, shall we rise and pray?